0: And our message today it, it, it'll coincide with that to a certain degree um, I, i've got a very familiar scripture reading, but we're just using this as a jumping off point but uh, we're going to we're going to take our first our, our scripture reading our primary scripture reading is going to come out of John chapter three and we're all going to be familiar with this um, but we're going to look at it in a little bit of a different light this morning or attempt to look at it in a little bit of a different light <clears throat> And I'd like to add, uh, our our topic this morning is a question. Uh, And it's a question to anyone who does not know the Lord in the forgiveness of sins. Uh, It's, why must I be born again? Why? And, you know, we're going to look here and Nicodemus is going to come to the Lord and he's going to seek some answers from the Lord. <clears throat> but the Lord's not going to answer the question that Nicodemus is asking, because Nicodemus is not in a state where he can understand it, what he's asking for. And so, starting in John chapter three, verse one, there there was a man, uh, a man of the Pharisees named Nicodemus, a ruler of the Jews. The same came to Jesus by night and said unto him, Rabbi. We know that thou art a teacher come from God. For no man can do these miracles that thou doest, except God be with him. Jesus answered and said unto him, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, Except a man be born again, he cannot see the kingdom of God. And Nicodemus saith unto him, How can a man be born when he is old? Can he enter the second time into his mother's womb to be born. Jesus answered, Verily, verily, I say unto thee, except a man be born of water and of the Spirit, he cannot enter into the kingdom of God. That which is born of flesh is flesh, and that which is born of spirit is spirit. And so God, or Jesus here, God here, is is giving uh, an two extremes, isn't he? He's giving you two explanations here. For uh, You see two explanations to try to reason with what's going on. And why is it that uh, Jesus looks at him and he says that you must be born again, except a man be born again. He cannot see the kingdom of God there in that third verse, because what Nicodemus wanted to know, Was he said, we see the miracles, we understand the miracles that you're performing, and he says, and we understand that no man can perform the miracles that you perform except God be with him, so what we really want to know is, are you the Messiah? Now, that same question was posed to the apostles, to the disciples, and, uh, and Peter, speaking for the twelve, spoke up, and he said, Well, thou art the Christ, the Son of the living God. And what is it that Christ said to him back? He said, Blessed art thou, Simon Barjona, for flesh and blood hath not revealed this unto thee, but my Father which is in heaven hath revealed this unto thee. So Nicodemus has come and he's heard Christ tell him these words that he has to be born again and the world is so enamored with the state that they were in when they were born but God's not interested in you in the state in which you were born in the flesh. He's interested in you being born again
1: and being born in the Spirit. Now, why is it that
0: Nicodemus cannot understand. It's really going to be very simple. We're going to look in Romans chapter 8. Paul, writing in the Roman letter, starting in the fifth verse of the eighth chapter, says, "...for they that are after the flesh do mind the things of the flesh." And that makes perfect sense with what Nicodemus said and how he was trying to reason and rationalize what Christ said about his necessity of being born again or his need to be born again. Because what did he say? Can a man crawl in his mother's womb a second time? And be born again?
1: No, that's foolishness. You're only born into the world one time. And I would like to add to this. You're only born in the flesh once. You're
0: only born in the spirit once. There's this idea that you can be born again and again and again and again in the spirit. That's not what the Bible teaches us. Just the same way as we have a natural birth or a fleshly birth, we have a spiritual birth, and that spiritual birth is, is, it comes about with, with the death of the natural. And you say, well, what do you mean by that? Hang on. He says, but they that are after the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. So Paul here in this one verse perfectly encapsulates why Nicodemus can't understand what Christ is teaching him. Because he's approaching it from the standpoint of a carnal mind, and a carnal mind cannot understand the things of God. And then Paul goes on to explain why that is. For to be carnally minded is death. That's why That's why God told Adam in the garden, For the day that you eat of the fruit of the tree which is in the midst of the garden, the tree of the knowledge of good and evil, thou shalt surely die. Why is that? Because you will have chosen to be carnally minded rather than spiritually minded. Because I've given you one one commandment, Adam, and that is that you would not eat of the
1: tree which is in the midst of the garden, the tree of knowledge of good and evil. When Adam ate of the fruit of that tree, regardless of what the fruit was, whether it was a fig
0: or a pomegranate or an apple, who knows? I don't know what the fruit was on that tree, but whatever it was, the moment that he took a bite of that fruit, He became carnally minded. And we see that, don't we? Because Adam and Eve both look at each other and they realize they're naked and they hide themselves away and they try to sew fig leaves together to cover up the fact that they were naked. But the issue wasn't that they were naked. The issue was that the fact that they were knowledgeable now of the carnal mind. And Paul says to be spiritually minded is life and peace. So why is it that you got to be saved? Well, because the carnal mind is. Enmity against God, and so we will oftentimes say that you need to be saved so that you're saved and set free from sin, and, and that you'll hear this doctrine put out before put about uh, the doctrine of original sin. Well, sin does have an origin, uh, and it was right there in the garden that day, but it actually goes before that because it actually has its origin uh, in heaven when Satan rebelled against God and was cast out of heaven, Uh, Satan actually was the first one to sin and he did it in heaven in the presence of God when he elevated himself to be above God, being in the presence of God. He thought, I'm greater than God and he sinned
1: there in heaven and the worship of self is the origin of sin. And it's shown through in a carnal mind.
0: And we have a carnal mind from the day that
1: we're born. And you can see it in your children, the state of a carnal mind. And the Bible teaches us here
0: in the seventh verse that the carnal mind is enmity... Against God. Now, what does that mean? That the carnal mind is enmity against God. It means that the carnal mind is a reason, and I would say it's the primary reason, for the opposition of God to man. And it's the reason why man must be born again. Before we got saved, what state were we in? We were what? Dead. Why were we dead? We weren't dead. We were alive. We were walking around. We were living. We were breathing. We were doing all of those things. That's all true. Carnally, we were alive. But spiritually, we were dead. And why, was we, why were we dead? Because we were dead in trespasses, and in sins, right? And so we're going to look here just for a minute. Well, how do we know this? He says, for it is not subject to the law of God. That's that's what we see happen there with with Adam. Adam rejected the one commandment that he was given, didn't he? And so it doesn't matter how many commandments God gives, a carnal mind can't even be subjected or can't even can't even put itself under or be subject to
1: even one commandment, can it? It's enmity against God, and it's not subject to the law of God, and neither
0: indeed can it be. And now we look here and we see, well, what is, how, does it, how does it reveal itself? We're going to touch on that in just a minute, but let's think about this. Why did God create man? Because the world thinks that God's some inherently evil being who allows these horrible things to happen to mankind and allows evil to subsist in the world, when the truth of the matter is God didn't intend for any of that to be. God's intent when He had created the world and He had everything there in place for Adam uh, there and He placed Adam in the garden and God had given Adam everything that he would need and Adam was never going to die so long as he never ate of that tree. He would still be walking around today. As a matter of fact, the world as we know it would be vastly different than the world that we know it today because the world we see today was created under the immense pressure of the flood that God used to destroy the antediluvian world. Why? Because of their carnality. So if you want to say, well, what what sin do I need to be saved from? What sin do I need to have forgiven? It's not the sin you need to be saved from. What you need to be saved from is the wrath that that sin incurs. And you see that born out. You can see it in Cain. You can see it in the antediluvians. You can see it in Sodom and Gomorrah. Right? You can see God's wrath getting poured out on carnal minds down throughout the ages.
1: And we expect it to be different in the day and the age that we live in. It's still the same. But what what was God's intent, though? If the carnal mind is an enmity against God, well, what was God's intent and purpose for man? Well, I believe
0: Solomon knew what it was. In the book of Ecclesiastes, in the 12th chapter, in the 13th verse, he says, let us hear the conclusion of the whole matter. Fear God. And keep his commandments for this is the whole duty of man, and thus remember what upon what two commandments does the whole law hang upon that you would fear the Lord your God, and that you would love thy neighbor as thyself upon those two precepts hang the entirety of the law and the prophets, right and so here he says. Fear God keep his commandments, this is a whole duty of man. In in Psalm chapter two, verse eleven, it says, Serve the Lord with fear and rejoice with trembling. Uh, in in Philippians chapter two, verses twelve through thirteen, Wherefore, my beloved, as ye have always obeyed, not as in my presence only, but now much more in my absence, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. And that's not saying that you have a part in the saving process. You have
1: no part in that salvation is of the Lord. That's what the Bible teaches. But I'll
0: tell you what you do need to know. You need to come to an understanding that that sin is present. That that carnal nature is there. And from that carnal nature flows those desires for sin. And if you're here and you're saved, we're still, we still reside in the body of Adam. That carnal nature is still there, but it should be squashed and it should become subservient to whatever the Spirit would have you to do. And, uh, and 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 so he says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. He's not saying there that you have a part in it. He's saying, use the salvation that God gave you and do it with fear and trembling. Meaning, do it with reverence to God Almighty and do it with trembling, knowing that He is the one who judges the quick and the dead. But move and do it. And in the 13th verse it says, For it is God which worketh, in you, both to will and to do His good pleasure. You see, the wor- the problem that so much of the world has, and I'm going to say the Christian world especially,
1: is we're so wrapped up around doing what makes us happy. There's rejoicing in heaven over one sinner that gets saved. But we're worried
0: more about what makes uh, what makes the carnal side of us happy instead of looking at it from a spiritual standpoint, remember what he said, for to be carnally minded is death, and to be spiritually minded is life. And it's not just life,
1: but it's peace, and it's everlasting life. And it's because you've been pardoned. And so here
0: he says, for it is... God which worketh in you to will and to do his good pleasure. So we should be spiritually minded. And now we think about that carnality and how does it manifest itself in our lives because I think a lot of us would like to say, "Jesus, I don't do that, Brother Fugate. Well, you could tell yourself that. And and some of us may even fool ourselves to believe that that may be the case. Uh, But Paul, writing to the church there at Colossae, he says, and you that were sometimes alienated and enemies. Now these are talking to Gentiles. How were they alienated and enemies? Because they were strangers and foreigners to the household of God, weren't they? Everybody who is in their sins is a stranger and a trespasser and they're a foreigner to the household of God.
1: Why is that? Because they haven't seek God for forgiveness for their sins. And now look at what he says here. They may be alienated
0: and enemies. Why? Because they're carnal. Go and look at any pagan religion and you will see the carnality manifest in that pagan religion. They can't worship something unless they see it. But the God of the Bible says, why do you worship that which you can see? Why do you hope for it? You can already see it. It's there. We hope for something greater, don't we? We we
1: hope and we pray and we worship a God that we cannot see. But He's present everywhere. We worship a God that's undeniably true
0: even though He cannot be seen with the naked eye. Why is that? Because the carnal mind cannot See it. And that's why Jesus told Nicodemus that unless you are born again, you cannot see the kingdom of heaven. You can't see me as the Messiah. You can't see Jesus as Savior without the conviction
1: of sin. But a lot of the Christian world today
0: wants to omit the condemnation of God for sin. We've got to experience that so that we get just a little taste of what Christ experienced when He hung on the cross and died for us and paid the penalty for our sins there at Calvary so that we wouldn't have to experience that. Well, that conviction that comes in when you know you're lost, that just gives you an inkling. Just a small tidbit of a taste of what it was that he went through at Calvary. It's not comparable to it because what he experienced was far and away worse than that. All right, Paul, as he writes to Colossae, he says, How, where were they alienated and enemies to God? He says, in your mind. Why is that? Because they had a carnal mind. How was it manifested, Paul? By wicked works. You see, those wicked works, they, 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 they happen because they reveal the truth of the individual. I'll give you a perfect scriptural example. Simon Magus, when Philip goes up to Samaria to preach the gospel, and a great revival broke out, and there was much rejoicing and shouting there in Samaria because of the revival that had taken place because of the preaching of the gospel from the deacon Philip. But there was one who realized that the preaching of the gospel had caused his influence and the hold that he had over the people of that city to wane. And so he said, I believe. Because what is it that you have to do to be saved? You have to believe in the Lord Jesus Christ, right? But not carnally. Most people have a carnal knowledge of Jesus Christ. And you'll hear people say sometimes in their testimony, I knew about Jesus. I believed Jesus was the Son of God. I believed that He was the Messiah. They may have believed it carnally, but they didn't believe it spiritually. And so Simon Magus here gives a testimony uh, that he believes that the Lord, he believes in Jesus Christ and he presents himself to be baptized and he's baptized there. Uh, But when when Peter. Peter and James and John come up to inspect the work of Philip. uh, What does he find? Uh, That when they laid their hands on those that had truly been saved and they received the, the Holy Spirit, he goes to them and he says, How much will it cost me to be able to
1: do that same thing? Peter didn't look at him and say, Well, you're okay.
0: You see, he had hidden away the carnality, hadn't he, from those that were there in Samaria. And he had hidden it away from Philip. But once he let it be revealed to Peter and James and John, Peter said, you are absolutely still in the gall of bitterness. And what does that mean? I don't care what your profession says. Your actions say that you are absolutely
1: still a foreigner and an alien from the household of God. And so Paul writes to the church there at Colossae, and he says that you were
0: alienated and enemies in your mind by your wicked works. We've got to answer to God for our sins, don't we? Why is it that Nicodemus had to be saved? Because before he could see the kingdom of God, he had to give an account for the sins that he had committed in the flesh. And I will tell you this, we're all going to give an account to God for the sins that are committed in the flesh. Uh, but I'll tell you this, if you haven't been forgiven for those things, if you haven't been granted the pardon for those things, before Christ comes back, it's too late to seek it then. There'll be no forgiveness found in that day because faith ends in sight. And seeing may be believing, but that's too late, isn't it? You better believe it before you see Him part that eastern sky and the clouds roll back as a scroll and the sky rolls back as a scroll. Before you see that, once you see that, it's too late. Then you'll be running with all the others saying to the mountains and the hills, fall on us and hide us from him. Because Jesus is not coming back as a baby, an innocent looking little baby, which the world's okay with. He's coming back as God descripted there in the first chapter of the book of Revelation. That's how he's coming back with eyes of fire, which searches the reins and the hearts of every man. And being, having themselves revealed, they will run and scour and scatter and flee and search for any hiding place that they can find. But there's not going to be one found because
1: as Peter told us, the earth itself will melt with a fervent heat. But Paul doesn't leave them there. He says, but you hath he reconciled. You see, it's not hopeless
0: because he's made a way whereby every man and woman that's born into this world, and I only use two for a reason, every man and woman that's born into this world, they have an avenue of escape. They have a path of salvation, don't they? And it's through Jesus Christ, as Jesus said, I am the truth, I am the way. There's no way other unto the Father except by me. Uh, And so Jesus is the way, the truth, and life. If you want to be saved, you're going to have to be saved looking
1: to the one who your sins pierced.
0: If I be lifted up, will draw all men unto me. You can't come to me. And I can't look at you and say, Child, thy sins be forgiven. He just called me to preach. He didn't give me the ability to look at somebody and try their reins of their hearts. And I may be able to look at actions and say, Your actions don't match with your words. But He didn't give me ability. He he didn't give me eyes of fire. He didn't give me the ability to do that. You better go to the one who specifically reserves that unto himself, and that's Christ. Jesus Christ is the judge of the quick and the dead, and uh and so we'll see that one day uh, when we stand around the throne, but you yet, yet now hath he reconciled in the body of of his flesh through death. And so here we see this need of salvation because of the carnal mind and the sins that are attached with it. Uh, He says, you has he reconciled in the body of his flesh through death. In other words, why did God manifest his presence in the world? To die so that the world would have an opportunity to be redeemed and that's why when we read the book of Revelation we have this great change don't we? When we see the lamb that stand, uh, when we see the lion of the tribe of Judah standing as a lamb as it had been slain, we see him sit down on the throne there in heaven uh, as John writes about there on the Isle of Patmos uh, we see a shift don't we? Because the world has been under the mindset of worshipping God the Creator up until that moment and now who is Isn't that we worship God, the Redeemer? Why was Christ born into the world so that you would have the opportunity to be redeemed from your sins? Isn't that a magnificent story? There's not a greater story that the world has ever
1: known. Because this one's true. And why did he do that? To present you holy and unblameable and
0: unreprovable in his sight if you continue in the faith-grounded and settled and be not moved away from the hope of the gospel. And so the gospel gives us everything that it is that we should hope for. And unlike the carnal religions of the world, which they have their statues and they look to their statues, uh, we have a hope and a promise that it surpasses everything else in the world. And we have it a hope that fades not away, doesn't it? I'm thankful for it. I'm thankful for it. And you may say, well, what if I don't believe that? Well, you'll find yourself in the company of those carnal believers. Because we can read over in John chapter 8, Jesus talking to the Pharisees, and they had a lot of the same problems Nicodemus did when he came to Jesus. There that that night, by the cover of night, and they said, uh, asking of Jesus, because he said, Whither I go, you cannot come. They said, Well, will he kill himself? You see, there, their carnal minds trying to reconcile with what Christ has said. Uh, and so here he comes back at them in the 23rd verse and he says, Ye are from beneath. Let me say that in another way. You are carnal, and I am from above. I am spiritual. Ye are of this world, which is carnal and temporal. And I am not of this world because I am spiritual. And what is God and how do we worship God? God is a spirit. And how is it that he should be worshipped? He should be worshipped in spirit and in truth, right? And so here he says, I am not of this world. I said therefore unto you that you shall die in your sins if you believe not that I am he. Now he is an italics. And here's what you need to know about italics in the King James. That's put in there for our understanding. You can actually move that comma to the end of I am and drop off the he altogether. And we can say it this way. For if you believe not that I am, what that I am, the same one that talked to Moses out of the burning bush there in the, in the wilderness of Midian, uh, the same one there uh, who came to the Hebrew children when they were thrown in the furnace there by Nebuchadnezzar, the same one who shut the mouths of the lions for Daniel when he was in the lion's den, the same one that hung on the cross at Calvary that we might have the opportunity to
1: be saved. Why is it that I must be saved? Well, number one, because what's the whole duty of man? You can't do it without knowing the Lord. You can't fulfill that without knowing the Lord. We're going to close with this. Back over in the back over
0: in that Colossians letter, the letter to the Colossae, in the first chapter here, Paul writes this. He says that you might walk. Worthy of the Lord. And he says this in a couple different places here. In Ephesians chapter 4, verse 1, he says, I therefore, the prisoner of the Lord, beseech you that you walk worthy of the vocation wherewith you have been called. What is that vocation, Paul? And that is the life of a Christian. Somebody who says, I have been saved. And they give you a time and a place when the Lord saved their soul. In 1 Thessalonians, he writes this in the 2nd chapter in the 12th verse. He says that you would walk worthy of God. You ever think about that in your life? That's how you should walk in this world, isn't it? If you're spiritually minded, you'll walk worthy of the vocation that you've been called. You'll walk worthy of God. You'll be like the few that remained in Sardis. Revelation chapter 3 verse 4. Thou hast a few names even in Sardis. Which have not defiled their garments. You'll walk your life like that. And getting back over into the Colossian letter, he says that you'll walk worthy of the Lord unto all pleasing, being fruitful in every good work and increasing in the knowledge of God, strengthened with all might according to his glorious power, unto all patience and long suffering with joyfulness. You know, that painful patience and long-suffering, that tells you that everything's not going to be hunky-dory, doesn't it?
1: But endure it with joyfulness. Why? Because there's a prize set aside
0: for those that are redeemed through the blood of the Lamb, which is going
1: to make all that pain and all that suffering fade away. giving
0: thanks unto the Father which hath made us meet to be partakers in the inheritance of the saints in light, who hath delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us. Think about this. We're all waiting for that translation, aren't we? When Christ comes back, and the dead in Christ rise first. They were sown a mortal body; they are raised a natural body, or an immo- they were sown a mortal body; they are raised a new Im- immortal body. They are sown a natural body or a carnal body, but they are raised a spiritual body. We're looking for that translation, aren't we, at the end of time. Folks, you've already been translated. If you're here today and you're saved by the grace of God, you're saved through the blood of Christ, you've already been translated into something different in this world, and He's going to tell you what it is right here. Uh, He says giving thanks to the Father which has made us to be partakers of the inheritance of the saints in light which delivered us from the power of darkness and translated us into the kingdom of His dear Son, don't you ever think about being a church member in any light other than God took a stranger and an alien and a foreigner to the household of God and he took him and he cleaned him up and he made him a new creature in Christ Jesus
1: and he made him an ambassador of Christ in his kingdom which he established in the world.
0: in whom we have redemption through His blood, even the forgiveness of sin, who is the
1: image of the invisible God. And the firstborn of every creature. We serve an
0: amazing God. But if you want to know Him, you must be born again. You have to know him spiritually to know him carnally just
1: won't cut it. That's what Nicodemus had to learn.
0: We see all the miracles. we know that you have to be sent from God, but our carnal mind can't comprehend it. and a carnal mind will never be able to comprehend it in any generation. It doesn't matter which, which time period it is. The carnal mind is always enmity against God. And that and that alone is enough to show you that you have something to seek God for forgiveness for. And that's what you need, that's what you need to seek the Lord for today. If you're here today and you're lost, seek the Lord for the salvation of your soul. Seek him for forgiveness. Call upon him while he is near. Call upon him while he may be found. Call upon him while it is day, for the night cometh when no man will work. There's coming a day when the opportunity to be saved will close. Just just the way Noah and his family entered the ark and God closed the door. Once the door was closed, the fate of all of those outside that door was sealed. Just the same way Noah and his family were sealed in the ark. God's desire is that none would perish, but that all would come to the knowledge of the truth, that all would be forgiven, that Jesus Christ came into the world to
1: save sinners. Brother Williams, if you've got a song,